the best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. And uh, I have, uh, it, well, via the Zoom link in studio here, Mr. Anthony Gray, former West Indies cricketer, former selector, and uh, a very involved coach in the new generation of West Indies cricket. I'd like to welcome you to Human Impact. Good morning to you, Mr. Gray. How are you? Good morning. I'm all right. Good morning to Trian Tobago, our listeners and viewers. I'm fine. So I, I guess we can start off, you know, feeling um, elated at the latest West Indies win with a very new young crop of cricketers. And um, I know that many of the former West Indies players like yourself, Brian Lara, and uh, Courtney Walsh, and after the very long drought that we had, had had some good emotions to feel after that win, not so? Yeah, definitely so. I mean, um, not a lot was expected of this young team. Seven new players uh, to the Test Match Cricket, and Test Match Cricket is very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, to me, it's the hardest format of the game. And to see that the guys went out there, lost the first game, uh, or the first game, yeah, the first test game in three days in um, Australia and then came back against the number one team in the world and beat them. Um, the first win in 27 years, it's, it's a fantastic performance. And the uh, young players like Shamar, he wasn't expecting something like that to happen and um, just understanding his story and understanding the journey that West Indies has taken from prominence to uh, the level that many West Indies uh, fans decided, you know what, we're not going to be following West Indies cricket again to this pinnacle with a young team. Can you tell us about, you know, from the outside as a former cricketer, how you felt looking at that journey for West Indies cricket? And probably some of the things that we could have done better in terms of selecting teams and uh, carrying on the legacy. I think that um, when you look at Shamar, uh, Joseph, uh, his uh, story is quite unique. Uh, I mean, um, it's a story of fate. It's a story of being an, an underdog. It's a story of uh, going through times of predicament, um, sometimes adversity and challenges. But it's a story of uh, profound fate. Um, you know, he always wanted to represent the West Indies team. In fact, the first thing is the deep love that he had for the game as a mm -hmm. child. Um, and then, you know, venturing um, his his abilities to, to, you know, improve them, first of all. And um, to reach prominence uh, playing against Australia was quite a, a great story. And mm -hmm. it's indicative of the stories that we have had along the way. Um, you know, we've not done so well in Test Match Cricket. Um, over the last twenty-something years or so, and um, you know he comes with this, this uh, wonderful demeanor and personality, and this strong faith in himself, and uh, he doesn't seem to have psychological walls. So mm -hmm. this is the kind of people that we have. We have these young people with a talent. It's just a search out and uh, try to to develop them. I'm not sure that we have managed our our talent the right way in the recent past and we we need to look profoundly at uh, what we need to do to to improve west indies cricket to bring about a resurgence of west indies cricket mm -hmm. but it's not going to be easy because the other countries have done well where research is concerned and also development 
in terms of test cricket, I know that that is the longer version and more um, mental uh, input is needed in that. Can you say that selection needs to be targeted towards mental resilience for the game, seeing as the fast-paced one days and uh, yeah, the, the way that the one-day cricket has been going in terms of more entertainment can you say that we need to look at more about mental adaptness for the players? I think that's a good question because um, obviously if you're playing five days and uh, most games will last five days depending on um, the opposition and obviously the surface that you're playing on, the environment. But uh, I think that's a good question because uh, from an early age, we need to have the youngsters looking to concentrate for long periods. Uh, because, um, you know, test match cricket encompasses all the other formats of the game. You have um, different scenarios in the one-day game that you will get in test match cricket. In the T20 game, you will get in test match cricket. So uh, for our players to be adaptable to all formats of the game, especially the longer formats of the game, they need to be playing um, at a very early age, uh, things like two-day games and three-day games, so that they can get those concentration levels going. Very important. I mean, <laughs> again, we have not done the, re the analytical research on people like Brian Lara. The ability to concentrate the bat for long periods, uh, he had. And we have not looked at his lifestyle, his life story, to find out why he developed that ability. But if you can bat uh, for long periods, you can play any format of the game. So it's essential that we develop our, our players like that. When we're developing them, um, in coaching sessions. Mm -hmm. And speaking of coaching sessions, now that you've moved on to that part of the game, what are some of the uh, things or challenges that you've met within that sphere in terms of the development well, I mean, of the game? Well, one of the things about me is that I've gone through all the, the levels of coaching. I'm a level three coach, I'm supposed to do my level four of Love Bro University, but, um, you know, uh, my family went through a little bit of adversity. One of the things uh, that I have done is look back at the past. The past um, should help us to know what we need at present and into the future. Um, the way our players went about things, we had the perfect template that developed the best team ever in, in world sport, mm -hmm. professional sport. Mm -hmm. uh, dominance for over 15 years. No other team in any era has been able to achieve that. So the template of success is there for us to look back. And uh, our players, um, you know, when they were younger, um, used to um, play the longer version of the game. They used to play all types of, of games, critical thinking games. So we could look back and, and, and learn to adapt our coaching methods that way. But the challenge is, is young players are seeing um, the IPL, they're seeing T20 cricket, and they want to approach the game that way. At a certain level, at a certain age, they need to be playing the longer version of the game mm -hmm. to be able to adapt to any format of the game. But because our players are now exalted in the T20 format because of the monies, they're trying to adapt their game to what's the T20 game rather than um, the game that uh, encompasses all the formats where development is concerned, the longer version of the game. 
uh, to add a cheeky question here. Do you think that the money, as you mentioned, affected the mental approach to the game in itself, seeing as they're probably thinking that test cricket is not as um, as accepted as the one days and therefore um, their salaries wouldn't be paid as uh, quickly or uh, uh, the larger amounts as the test matches? Another good question because um, uh, we have to understand the changing um, levels of society and the, the societal influences on our young people. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's not like years ago where you had to go through a lengthy process to get there, um, to make the Western East team, for example. It's about quick fixes. Um, sometimes um, it, it's an egocentric society that um, you know people have to understand that if we want certain qualities, then it has to be directly done. Um, and the young people, they want to achieve things quickly. It's not like years ago that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the T20 game is suited to their psyche. So they will gravitate towards the T20 game faster. And the longer version of the game seems boring to them. But as I mentioned <laughs> just mm -hmm. now, that um, it's very important that you you play the longer versions, uh, you know, at the developmental stage, so that you become um, very adept at playing all formats of the game. Mm -hmm. But the general psyche. Uh, in this society is that they get quick fixes. And uh, I guess the way that technology, new technology has affected the game, um, the way that uh, wickets are assessed and you look at replays and so on, it, as you said, it's, it's a quicker pace and time seems to be moving faster within this period as well. How does it it going to affect newcomers to the game and are many young people interested in getting into cricket? Well, you have to look at um, what they're seeing. Uh, the visual impact is much more important than what we say to them. Mm -hmm. um, in any sphere of life, in, in your education and everything, they're more impacted to of what they see. So we have to help them uh, to be motivated by, you know, showing them games, I mean, taking them to the Oval and that sort of thing. Um, the technology can be used because they're always on the phone, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're always on the phone. And, uh, you know, social media is a thing that we have to embrace and accept. But how we use it as it pertains to development and how we use it as it pertains to influences is the very important thing, the methods that we use. Now, I've said it before. We don't have the level of performance consistently that we had in the late 70s, the 80s, and the early 90s. But we have technology. Mm -hmm. Technology is not the key. Building the human beings, first of all, very important. And then we could use the technology. Uh, obviously, we can use the technology to build the human beings. But if guys don't have the skills, um, if they don't have... Um, the inner strength, the psychological strength that Shama Joseph has shown, they cannot go there despite the use of technology. So we have to build those other qualities in them. But we have to use the technology to, to research, for example, on their strengths and weaknesses, the technical strengths and weaknesses, and the oppositions mm -hmm. that we play against. So it is imperative that we strengthen the mental abilities of the young ones coming into the game because it's the game is about um, 
understanding tactics and um, having a plan stepping onto the pitch. Yeah, definitely so. And, um, you know, Brian Larry is a fantastic example. And perhaps it was the the, the divine intervention uh, that, that at 15 years old, he left Santa Cruz and went to live by the late Joey Carew. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joey Carew was known as uh, a guru when it comes to the tactical part of the game. So there was a, an explosion of the tactical awareness and that sort of thing. And it helped not just his, his uh, leadership as a, a tactical captain, but obviously his batting mm-hmm. to understand what the oppositions were trying to do uh, when he went out there to bat. So I think that um, a certain stage of the players' lives, uh, they must have uh, a tactical awareness of the game. And there's where we have faltered because our captains are not challenged here in the region because, you know, batsmen don't stay long at the wicket for mm-hmm. them to, to be challenged tactically. And we need to have, um, you know, the people who understand the tactical part of the game to expound that knowledge to the player because it's very important. The game is not just about skill. It's not just about mental strength and awareness, but it's about the tactical part of the game too over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Even if you're playing one day or T20 um, games. And that also includes understanding, as you said, the pitch, the quality of the pitch, um, what the outfield looks like, if it's waterlogged, if it's dry, uh, the type of bowlers that you're putting on the field and the setup of the field as well. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm coaching now at UTT, a high-performance unit, and uh, I tell them, uh, before we start the game and reiterate that we are playing not just against opposition, you're playing sometimes against yourself. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like golf, and you're playing against the conditions. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's why I say in the Caribbean, what we had, um, and unconsciously, because we keep on saying that we dominated world cricket on um you know the natural ability that is not true it was attained knowledge attained skill uh, based on the environment mm-hmm. what we had in the caribbean when we dominated world cricket was different types of pitches throughout the caribbean i mean barbados was fast and bouncy mm-hmm. <laughs> first time i played there the first time i represented trying the biggest senior team and I was I didn't see the pitch because it was green like the outfield. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, and I came from Trinidad where where the wickets were slow and 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 patchy and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So in Barbados, it was a fast, bouncy pitch. You got, went to Jamaica, it skidded onto you, but it was pacey. Antigua was pacey. Um, you went to Guyana, border at the time. It was like a graveyard. It was very slow. But mm. if you research, you come to Trinidad, ball spin a little bit, but slow turn. If you understand the development of players, they need different types of environment to develop them. It in, in develops their intelligence level because they have to adjust con- from condition to condition. Mm-hmm. And that helps when they go to other parts of the world. Because at the time we dominated world cricket, we had conditions here that simulated with all parts of the world ex- except England and New Zealand because they were cold climatic conditions. Mm-hmm. But we played professional cricket in England. So we were comprehensively developed to def- to play in any condition and make the, not just the, the adjustments technically, but the intelligent adjustments. And as a former selector, 
um, seeing the success of the young ones, the new young team, what advice do you have going forward uh, for the next set of series coming up in terms of how the players are selected for the team? Well, obviously, we're playing, um, I think we're playing against England coming up. So we have to understand playing conditions. Um, You know, we'll be going to England. It's not easy for players who have not been in England to adjust um, Mm -hmm. that quickly. So we have to go very early. Um, Obviously, the team that uh, went to Australia did well, surprisingly to most people. I talked about the inner person, so I'm not really surprised. but it's, it was a nice win. So we have to, to look at uh, keeping the core of the team, but we need some experience. Yeah. Um, the ideal situation is that when you're trying to develop young players, you have senior players around to help them to make that transition very quickly. Um, Kemar Roach is a fantastic example. I think that he has to be around. He's played county cricket recently uh, for my f- former club, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so he... Uh, would be able to help players to make the adjustment. You need somebody like that on tour. Um, but you will keep the core of the team that did well in Australia. And uh, what they need to do, do is to try to simulate conditions in the Caribbean. And when I say simulate conditions in the Caribbean, you don't have the atmospheric conditions, right? You don't right, <laughs> in, yes. in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. right? But you can simulate the, the ball because you can do different things with the ball, scratch the ball on one side to get a swing that you will get in, in England. So it's about preparation, uh, proper preparation, and um, understanding as a selector that we need to pick balance. We had to balance a team, some experienced players, with the skill that will be able to cope with English conditions and the opposition. Do you think it would be worthwhile for former West Indies players to come and uh, talk with the younger ones and encourage, as you just mentioned, county cricket, you know, get them into those teams to really experience the pitches that you're talking about? Yeah, because, um, you know, when I played county cricket, it was 19 games for the season. Mm-hmm. And because of the English conditions, it uh, changed dramatically. So you were getting different types of pitches to play on. And that's a perfect finishing school that our players embraced. And, um, you know, you had to be a professional. Mm-hmm. And that mentality was was magnified in England because you were the professional. You had to go out there every morning and train. You had to keep fit. You had to be um, on And time. you had to perform. Mm-hmm. You had to be, oh, talk about, well, let me just tell you something. <laughs> when I played for Surrey, mm-hmm. I was there two hours before with mm-hmm. my, my blazer on and my tie and that sort of thing. Because if you were there one minute late, 300 pound fine mm. and that was years ago so Did, i was there two hours before is that applied to west indies cricket or is that applied to the the um individual caribbean teams here if it is that you're, you're uh, a minute late you're, you're affected in in your pocket well it, it should should apply i i think that um you know it, it's become stricter and mm. i think that it will help the players right because um, you know, when we had a society years ago, uh, when I was growing up, that the community brought up the child, mm-hmm. you know, you had to do things the right way. You were the straight and narrow path. And I, I think that is the way to go, especially when it pertains to youngsters. Um, you have to discipline them um, and it will transfer to the game. Mm-hmm. If you discipline, like Gordon Greenwich is a fantastic example. 
he very disciplined. I roomed with him before and um, everything had to be packed well and clean and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He was always prepared for the game. So when you see that, you know what type of childhood he had. Um, you know, so we have to help youngsters to be disciplined that will help them to be better at the game. Mm-hmm. If you're in discipline, if you're not training well, um, if you're on, you're not on time, then it will transfer to the game. The negativities will transfer mm-hmm. to the game and um, you, w- you won't perform well. Just yesterday at the um, UTT uh, high performance um, you know, unit, we were talking to the scholarship people mm-hmm. at San Fernando Tech and we were talking about discipline, getting up early and training and uh, strength and conditioning We is a part of um, the way international sports people go. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about uh, the importance of it. So discipline is imperatively necessary. I mean, it would be the core to any, um, well, you, we use the word discipline interchangeably here. It would, be, it would apply to every uh, format well, of the game, of any sport, of any profession. Discipline is the basis. Yeah, I mean, um, we have some fantastic examples to look at throughout the world of sport. LeBron James, he's, what, 39, maybe 40 just now, and he has been able to maintain his body. I mean, he pays a lot of money. He has the resources to do it, Mm -hmm. uh, to have professionals around him, but he still can be considered to be one of the best players in the NBA Mm -hmm. at 39. Um, So it's the inner passion um, coupled with discipline, dedication, and developing the right habits. Yes. And I, I tell young players all the time, you have to develop the right habits. I have to make up my bed before I leave because it's in me. Mm-hmm. I used to get up half past three to train. Mm-hmm. And people say, what? Half past three? I say, yeah, half past three. Because of the whole day training process. And that got me on the Western East team as a fast bowler. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have fast bowlers 34 years before I started, and then Ian Bishop came. So it's the self-belief, it's the discipline, the dedication, but it's also about following the right examples, Tiger Woods. Yes. Look what he has gone through. Mm -hmm. I mean, just recently got an accident uh, that looked like what was going to be the end of his career, and then he's still... Doing 18 holes yeah, on the greens. <laughs> the way that he's encouraged his son to follow in his footsteps and develop with the game as well has also shown the kind of character he has, you know, in, in yeah. the profession. Yeah, transfer of knowledge, very important. We, the, the most, the most, um, the richest place in the world is really in the cemetery. Hmm. where people have gone with all that knowledge because of pain and hurt and psychological trauma. Um, With all that knowledge, the important thing is to expound the knowledge. So when you leave, you leave um, smiling because that's what life is really about. That's the essence of life. Mm -hmm. So last words in terms of bringing on new, uh, well, younger players to to let them know that there is a future with West Indies cricket. What advice and, and... what is the call you would make to them coming for the future? Well, I think it's a combination of things. I, I think that we have to project the game through social media because, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, they're always on the phone. Um, we have to understand that the American sport, they are gravitating more to basketball, for example, because it's seen, um, they can identify with it, the tattoos, 
that mm. the players um, project, um, the type of sneakers. Uh, they feel joy in those things. They they want quick money, quick responses, and that sort of thing. Um, quick upward mobility. So I, I think that we have to understand how to reach them by a little bit of um, improving the education of the people that manage them and coach them. Mm -hmm. um, the psychology of motivating youngsters from a very early age, what games to play with them so that they have a joy uh, for the game, so that they would want to stay in the game, you know, at the under 12 level. And then from there, how to improve their skills um, at the under 15 level, how to introduce them to, um, you know, the, the tactical part of the game. But to encourage them, we need to, you know, have caravans all over the Caribbean, mm -hmm. all over the cricket caravans to try to encourage them, carry iconic figures that they're seeing. The Pollards, um, the Sulana Rhymes, the Dwayne Bravo, mm -hmm. get the governments involved in a big way and have that strategic, um, you know, effort and approach to encouraging players to want to play cricket and also the education behind the people who are expounding knowledge. That's very important. But we have to have the facilities. We have to get the parents involved. Um, and, um, you know, we have to really and truly put monies into sport. Yeah. As not just to encourage them, the youngsters, but to be combative to crime. And also towards the facilities that uh, facilitate the practice and the playing of these games yeah i mean if you don't have enough facilities and 20 youngsters come out for example mm -hmm. and you have enough uh, cricket gear and you have to you know try as a coach to give them enjoyment it might not work and they might not want to stay in the game so i think that there has to be specificity as it, it involves trying to coach youngsters, what to tell them, the games to play with them, um, you know, how to get their parents involved mm -hmm. um, because it's important, how to get the principals involved in the different schools because yeah. sometimes they go to the primary schools, the principals are not um, involved in sport. They are there just for academics and it doesn't, um, it doesn't help with the unearthing of talent. And, mm. and, you know, because you have to have a pool, first of all, then to see to choose um, from the yeah. really good talent. Yeah. Mm. Well, Mr. Gray, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Freedom 106.5 FM. And congratulations as a former West Indies cricketer to <laughs> the great, great work that the new team is putting on after 27 years. So and I hope to hear from you again. And we will chat because cricket is a game that we all love. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio, Freedom 106.5.